0: Okay, <clears throat> good morning all, welcome back, good morning to anyone that's, you know, streaming, um, that's with us digitally this morning, welcome back, and welcome back to our month in talking about self-care, discerning what self-care should really look like in a Christian worldview rather than what a godless society would encourage you to think and to do in terms of caring for self. Uh, Recall, if you will, what we've, you know, been talking about up to this point, what we talked about in the first week, the medications that even our, what we call call our brightest minds, you know, uh, doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists and and life coaches, um, these medications that people like this, our brightest minds prescribe, which merely serve as distractions and diversions from, you know, the real problems that we all face in our daily lives. A secular self-care truly honors the the terminology, right? Uh, In that it lifts self above all, and it looks to a broken self for an answer to our own brokenness. And then last week, uh, so that was week one, last week we spent some time exploring and discussing the myth of me time Um, and we had some lively discussions um, in each of our cell groups and that carried on um, after service and throughout the week and uh, last week we talked about the fact that we live in a time and we live in a culture where we as people pursue this idea that time is ours to pursue uh, whatever pleasure we so choose. We, We think we have the right, the entitlement to time. We've earned it. It's mine. I'm off. And this is what we were talking about. And we remove God from our lives um, at our leisure rather than thinking about how we can glorify God in our leisure in all the things that we do, however simple or seemingly mundane we're trying to answer that question. How does this, what I'm taking time to do in this thing or that thing, how does it glorify God? As believers we need to be cautious in thinking we have a right or claim, as I said. Thinking we should be free to do whatever we want for ourselves. We should be challenging where our hearts and our minds are truly at, um, even when it comes to how we spend our time. And the reasons uh, that, that, that we spend our time doing those things. Are they for God with a genuine effort in glorifying him? Are you able to articulate? That's, that was sort of a big point in our in our post, post-sermon discussion. Are you able to articulate a meaningful response to, yeah, I do this for God in this way, or is there fat you need to trim in your life? Can you not articulate a meaningful response in even little things, okay? In video games, in times of um, a way doing this thing or that thing, in this kind of relationship doing this thing, are you able to articulate a meaningful response in all things? Um, so yeah, that's the last couple weeks. This week we move on to the next area of focus. I just sort of alluded to it real briefly in my prayer there. Um, and it's one that I mentioned also last week. The way that we spend our time, the way that we think about self-care is closely connected to the way that we think about rest. And so this week we're gonna be talking about rest. How do we rest to glorify God? How do we take this idea of rest and apply it to how we understand self-care versus how the world uh, understands rest and applies it to their self-care? How our culture takes this idea, how can we compare between the two? So consider, I guess, today's message to be like a direct follow-up to, to last week's, not an entirely different like um, area of focus, but you know, part two. So with that, a couple things that, you know, we've already sort of established and, and made reference to. We are a culture obsessed with this idea of self-care, right? It's a trendy ideology that promises us the key to a happy and productive life. All you need is a little self-care, is what you're, you're told and what you're encouraged. And this care of self movement comes out of the reality that we are also a culture obsessed with work and with prestige, you know, getting the next thing, achieving the next thing, being recognized in the next way. We're a culture obsessed with work and prestige, and we live in a culture where we sort of chaotically swing on this pendulum from one side to the other, often spinning our wheels in terms of how we rest and how we understand work and the relationship between the two. And. We feel fruitless much of the time in our work on the brink of burnout, what we want to call burnout. We sort of made reference to a a previous sermon where, as believers, we should understand this idea of burnout or reject this idea of burnout, um, rather. But we feel fruitless in our work and on the brink of burnout, so we swing into those self-care rituals that we talked about, um, where all you got to do is just treat yourself, you know, or... The vernacular is like treat yourself, right? We do things like go shopping, and you know we had that whole list that we poked fun at, and um, you know exercise fads, streaming binges. Uh, s- <laughs> the one that always sticks with me is the squirrel gazing one. I, it's really weird, but yeah, these random things and prescriptions that the world um, says to do to just treat yourself. When the pendulum inevitably swings back, though, back into the time of work and we dread it and blah, work, you know, we still feel much to our frustration and much to our desperation. We feel empty and we feel unenergized because our rest was not fulfilling. Um, We feel hopeless for the week ahead. We are a culture living for the weekends and even then they don't supply us with what we need. And we personify Monday and curse it. Dang it, I just, I pulled up on my phone. Uh, have you guys ever seen like the cat memes about Monday? You know, a lot of times they use like the grumpy cat thing, or <sighs> the one I just looked up on my phone that I'm remembering right now is like, it's like a cat doing this with its paws or something. And it's like if Monday had a face, I would punch it, you know? Um, it's like, a, it's a whole thing. Monday cat memes or you know, we adopt this, the Eeyore mentality, you know. I'd say good morning, but it won't be, you know. That's how we go into our Mondays, because we're, we're, we're unenergized somehow. What? We just came off the back of the weekend. Why are we going into the week ahead, the, the week of work, feeling hopeless still? I thought the weekend was supposed to give me what I need. But it doesn't, because the way we view things, our philosophy of rest is is, uh, it's inverted. I want you to consider the possibility that the way we've been taught to think about time and the way that we rest is actually a mentality of depletion rather than restoration. The truth is that time is what it is, right? We all have the same time. You know, like relatively speaking, there's 60 seconds in a day and 60 minutes in an hour and Where the math goes, 24 hours, and whoever knows how many hours in a week, I don't know, in a month, in a year, but we all have the same amount of time, there's nothing we can do to change it. We're all operating under the same laws as the people next to us, again, relatively speaking, right? We all die at different times, but on a daily basis, we all have the same time. The conundrum we find ourselves in today is that we believed the lie that was sold to us in the not-so-distant past. Technology is going to be better, right? Technology is going to improve our happiness and our productivity and our efficiency. It's going to make us um, better at all those things. But the rapid change that resulted, the lie that resulted, was that uh, we didn't actually have more time off because of these things, because of technology that promised us something that never came. The future. So speaking in the past, the future promised us um, that these devices that we all use, you know, our phones and tablets and and laptops and smart TVs and smart watches and all these things that we're plugged into all the time, that are on all the time, that keep us stimulated on all the time, that keep a, there's like actual brain, you know, like chemistry stuff going on, you know, when you're doing this on your phone, right, when you're, constantly looking through your feeds, when you're staring at the screen, you know, there's all these things happening that uh, are actually not beneficial to you. The lie was that all these things are going to improve you. They're going to make you more productive. They're going to make you healthier, right? And that's ironic because I feel like more and more you're seeing studies that come out that saying, you know, this blue light is damaging your eye in this way. This is making you desensitized in this way. And you're not actually Healthier, Your total health is not improved despite the lie that was told to us, um, as I said, not so long ago. <clears throat> as a culture, our lives are even more chaotic than before. And the hustle to do more has only increased, right? We don't have more time off. We don't have more times of rest. We take our, you know, our offices essentially with us, right? Um, I know John can speak to this. Um, like this last year was crazy for you know someone like him who's in contact with lots of people and emails all the time and you know the normal work day back then was you know whatever you know nine to five is the traditional whatever that we, we look at for a normal work day. Nowadays we're responding to things the second we wake up, we're responding to things the second we go to to the last second until we go to sleep and so on and so forth. We wake up in the middle of the night to go pee and we've responded to something we're always on. We're not resting. You know, the lie has been, uh, has been sold. We bought it. We, falled, we fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And we wear the busy, as I said last week, we wear the busy like a badge of honor. You know, like if we're in the military and you see all their little, <whistles> their little colors that mean all kinds of things, um, busy is right there. It's an achievement unlocked, right? The rhetoric of I'm so busy, I'm doing so much is becoming the first thing, like we talked about last week, the first thing that you hear someone say in uh, opening up conversation with them. I'm so busy, uh, but, but so good. Busy is culturally good now. That's how it's seen. Busy, but so good. Doing so good. This is the cultural DNA today. God forbid we... We try to be still, and we try to rest, and really understand what that means. And to be fair, it's hard. You know, it's hard with all these things that we deal with. And um, I'm not up here to like to throw total shade on technology. And it's good for many things, obviously. Hi, technology we're using right now to like reach other people. <laughs> you know, like my point isn't that technology is sinful and don't use it but we're, we're even more busy than before, despite the lie that we were told. And mastering these things is hard, and rebelling against the culture's narrative for how we should uh, be spending our time, or what rest, as the culture puts it, looks like, even amidst the endless pinging of our devices, can be hard. We're constantly encouraged, just make it through the week so that we can get to the Almighty, not God, but the weekend, you know, our, our day off. We dread Monday as if it's a cruel person and uh, worship the weekend as if it's a god. I'll go through all the hardships of Monday through Friday. We tell ourselves I'll go through all the hardships of Monday through Friday so that I can finally get what I'm entitled to, my sacred weekend, because I'm entitled to it. It's mine. I earned it. My divine right, you know, as an American. I've worked. I've earned it. I'm off. I was on, but now... I'm off, let me do whatever I'll do, let me rest however I need to rest, you know, it's not based in anything, it's arbitrary, it's, you know, it's subjective, it's all those things. The question we should be asking ourselves is, is that rhythm actually working out for all of us, you know? As I said, are we finding, like, real sustainable energy in that method that we've employed for many years, for most of our lives, even? Is it actually a productive, Health, healthy, edifying, or God-honoring outlook and how we should rest? Did that lie that we're all trapped in lead us to the better self-care it promised? Are we actually more rested? Do we feel ready for the week ahead? Is this what God intended for us? So I want to I I jump back to Genesis chapter 1, and I know it's sort of a, It can be sort of a, oh, okay, Genesis 1, we're going to learn about, you know, the story we all know again, the creation story. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) there's like an endless fountain of wisdom in the creation story and how we should set up our lives, and with how we rest is just another one of those things. So, in Genesis 1, don't roll your eyes, but uh, follow along, you can turn to the first chapter, it's at the end of... In the first chapter, we'll start in just the first few verses into the second chapter. Genesis 1, starting at verse 27. God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals. The birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life, and that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. Genesis 2. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was complete. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So, he rested from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So, the creation narrative. For six days, God's going hard. He's hard at work. Heaven and earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and the... Scary things in the ocean, the scary things in the ocean, if you know me, <clears throat> and the things that crawl on the ground and, and scurry, the animals that walk, galaxies and, and man and woman in his image and all these things in six days. So, you know, like next time you feel like you had a good week, you know, God did all this in six days, so check yourself. Um, God accomplishes all of creation, and scripture tells us that He rested. Not that He had like a celestial all nighter, you know, He was looking forward to being done with all that stuff so He can go do whatever. Not that He went out for drinks <laughs> or that He was so glad to put the week behind Him, you know, thank God that's over, you know, that He rested. He declared it good. And he rested, he reflected on all that he had done, and it was good. And he set up this day and ordained it. He blessed it. The creation account tells us that he looked over all of it and declared that it was good. The Hebrew word, the Hebrew word used here, is "shavath," and it's the same word that Sabbath is derived from. Sure, that's not incredibly. Uh, new, or maybe it sounds, yeah. It's like one of those Spanish words that sounds exactly like it does in English, you know? And you're like, yeah, duh, that's what that means. Um, the Old Testament history points us to the meaning and significance of his rest demonstrated by God. And the Old Testament history to Shavath means that you rested and worshipped. You know, it was, it was something tied directly back to God the Shabbat contained in it, the Sabbath contained in it, the fundamental perspective, the fundamental element that we celebrate and we be satisfied in God. God rested in his creation and he was satisfied with it. It was good, it says. He celebrated in his work and in what he accomplished with rest. Already you can see the stark contrast. And how the culture hijacks the idea of rest for self, for care of self, compared to how God lays it out first. We rest and we want to make sure we're all we're good. You know, we look to self first. We don't rest and look to God and reflect on God and celebrate in God and and remember God, right? We don't fear the Lord in our rest. In the very creation account, God weaved into the fabric of existence the rhythm of rest. He blesses three things in the creation story. If you were paying attention, well, I guess I didn't talk about when he made the animals, I started at man. But he blesses three things in the creation story. He blesses animals, he blesses man, and he blesses the day of rest. Sorry, I lost check in my notes here. Uh, yeah. I would ask you, to consider the common thread between these three things. These three things that he blesses. Uh, That they all have to do with a source of life. This is the common thread. Life which comes from the mandate to be fruitful and multiply. That seems fairly on the nose and obvious. And life which comes from a rest and remembrance in the creator of all things. When God is leading the Israelites throughout the desert, from Egypt, for example, yet again we see him make rest a priority. He gives them a covenant explaining how they are to act as people. He mandated certain times of year for celebration and remembrance, times to cease from work and to labor. The people set up altars and rested in remembrance of him throughout their different journeys. And rest was an integral part of their of their worship, rest for them didn't mean retreating to indulge in self. They, of course, had all their own struggles with the things they indulged in. But the the system that set up for the Israelites were that they rested in remembrance of God, and from there moved forward. There's an author. His name's Abraham Heschel. He breaks down the significance of. Sabbath into space, time, and things, these three things, space, time, and things. He says that space or this this need we feel to to conquer something, uh, you know, in our work and things like that, Um, space and things rule our days in the natural world, and that redeeming our time is what we actually need in our Sabbath understanding of rest, Rather than fill it with more places to go, more things to do, more things to achieve, more boxes to check and how we live our lives, uh, we need to fill that time with God. We need to fill it with a recognition and remembrance of him and cease from that addiction, that idol of places and things and work and, and all these things. Techniques and methods or any other, you know, idol that supplants God in our daily lives. And he says in this book that he wrote, called the Sabbath. He says the Sabbath is the most precious present mankind has received from the treasure house of God. All week long we think the spirit is too far away from me and we succumb to spiritual absenteeism. And on our best days we pray that God sends us a little bit of his spirit but not so on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath the spirit stands before us and pleads for us accept all excellence from me. I like that snippet from his book. One of the one of the fundamental and necessary ways of life that Moses received on um, Sinai when the Lord gave him the, the Ten Commandments was to remember and observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your labor, for your ordinary work, but on the Sabbath day of rest, you dedicate it to God. A whole day dedicated to God in remembrance and celebration and contentment and peace in him. The Sabbath isn't supposed to be seen as just another day off, you know? The secular world, of course, doesn't even recognize the Sabbath, but Christians ourselves, you know, we don't um, perhaps think of this day as fully dedicated to God. You know, we come to church and we've done our diligence and then we, you know, we're off. We're off mentally, you know, philosophically in our minds in terms of how we're resting and in remembrance In celebration of God. It's not just another day off. It's not a day where we cease working from our employers. You know, we're not getting paid. It's not a day just to do errands. We spend time running around. We spend time having fun, isolating ourselves and our indulgences. It's not just another day for that. We're called to worship, to celebrate, and be fully satisfied in who God is, what he's done, what he's doing. This is what we're supposed to think about when we rest. This is fulfilling. This is a different kind of rest than we see the world propagate. And as I like to do, to cut out the argument before it starts or to, you know, um, yeah, not waste time in conversation we don't need to have in our cell groups or something, you know, just to clarify my position. It's true we need to be careful when it comes to our understanding of this Sabbath rest. We see in the New Testament, for example, that the Pharisees, Got it wrong when they wanted to legalize this day of rest. You know when they insisted on their impossibly hard to follow laws uh, regarding this this time of rest and remembrance. They even tried busting Jesus' chops. You know when he's out picking grain, and Jesus' response is something to the effect of, like, really, like grain with the guys, and you're gonna you're gonna bust my chops over this? Like I'm standing right in front of you. I'm your Messiah, you know, like, I gave you this day of rest. This was a gift from me. They've taken it, they've accosted it, they've turned it into something they shouldn't. They've turned it into a way that they can seem, you know, holier than thou, you know. They've turned it into a, a, an idol and a, a, a metric for how they can be perceived by man rather than what the gift was meant to be for man man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. The Pharisees were only interested in the optics of it, you know, and that they be perceived as, you know, more holy or, you know, really righteous or whatever. It turned that day into their idol when their Messiah was right in front of them. And, and Jesus says, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Like, he's saying, hello, like I'm right here. The Sabbath, again, was meant to be a gift, a gift of rest, and not a gift to exalt self, which is what these group of people did. Certainly not meant to be a gift void of God, which is what those people did, which is what we do as a culture. This gift of rest has been lost because, I think I alluded to it last week, or just now even earlier, resting is intrinsically un-American, right? I did talk about it last week, like, compared to, like, European countries, even. You know, they have different work weeks and schedules and things like that. We know how to work, though, in America. We know how to work, we know how to play, we know how to party, we know how to compete, we know how to do a lot of things good. We don't know, though, how to rest. We don't know how to rest in a way that puts God at the focus and at the source. We don't know how to rest as a means of worship. And we place our identity in, in what we do and how we work and what we're working for and what we've done and what we've achieved in those boxes we can check and then how we're perceived as the Pharisees were doing. We place our identity there rather than what God has done, what God is doing, what God achieved in Christ and how we reflect that so that he is given glory and worship. We've inverted rest from being about God to being about self. My point, no, sorry. Is it possible, question, is it possible, not the questions, a question, is it possible that God can do more for you when you're being still in him, when you are in remembrance of him, in fear of the Lord, when you are content and and celebrating him, is it possible that he can do more for you in that then when you take it upon yourselves, thinking you need to do everything on your own, by your own means, on your own time, for your own self, all these things we've been talking about. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying here, like, be lazy or something. It's not what I'm trying to, to the point I'm trying to make. Um, I don't think you'll find that in Scripture. You know, those who don't work, don't eat, this kind of thing. It's not the, it's not the, the picture we get in Scripture. My point is, how often are you resting with this different perspective, where God is your laser focus of reflection, of contemplation and consideration, and, and and calling and contentment and celebration in life and in your work and in your relationships? Is your idea of rest found in those things rather than the you know whole pamphlet of things that psychologists like to like to uh, prescribe? You know, and this is something we should be doing daily, absolutely. It's not something we're good at daily, absolutely not. Um, it's something that uh, we can set a day aside to help us with this mechanism and this, this philosophy of the mind. And that's why we take this time on Sunday. But as I alluded to, do we really take the time on Sunday fully? You know, are we, are we, or are we checking it into a box? You know, are we, are we being too mechanical? We live in a culture where people, though, are, we're, we're afraid of stillness. Uh, you know, again, the American conundrum. We're afraid of, of rest, to not be busy, to not be on the move, to not be going to the next thing, uh, working on the next thing, hitting the next benchmark. It's a source of great anxiety we all have, you know? We don't want to turn off our phone, even. Like, when's the last time your guys' phone was turned off? Like, when it was in the box? Uh, Marianne says yesterday. Okay. Okay, guys, I get it. And there's a couple of you that are good. You know? <laughs> Thanks, I got it. Talk to me in private. Uh, we, like, dread when that phone hits the red sliver and says 10%, you know? We're, like, in full-blown red alert because that means we're, we're not going to be on, you know, busy working toward the next thing. We kind of in, go into a meltdown, and we forget our charger when we go somewhere for a night or a day or whatever. We're, like... You know, like full-blown Team America distress signal, right, Colin? America. Ah, that's what they do. Yeah, we, we freak out. We have this source of great anxiety because we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to be still in who God is. You know, the need to be accessible and needed and busy, that's not necessarily what God set up. That's not the rhythm he sets up. Um, it's not the rhythm we see in creation. It's interesting that when God created, He ordained this day of rest. He blessed it, and then the scripture narrative begins. You know, there wasn't a ton of work on man's part. There wasn't a ton of work and then rest. God created, He ordained this day of rest, and from rest, the scripture narrative begins. We start from a place of rest rather than from a place of work. And I think that's a significant inversion that we see um, going on today. It's a, it's a significant rhythm worth considering, I think. Uh, we work, 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 and then we frantically try to grasp at whatever we think rest looks like in our, in our Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, rather than start from a place of contentment and peace and goodness in God. to the Father. If the Old Testament way of saying it is without resting in God, don't think you can work apart from him, then the New Testament scripture would be saying don't attempt to bear fruit unless you remain in Christ. Resting in this spot, union with the Lord first, is what fuels our work for the Lord second. And we can come from this place of peace and rest rather than frantically grasping at these secular mechanisms and methods and, you know, empty sources of fuel, the empty calories, you know, that the world provides. If there's anything to learn from this secular teaching, it's that the work-burnout-crash model that leads to a retroactive rest, rest from a deficit, it's unsustainable, you know? we We can't be fruitful, we can't be as productive without first starting from God. If instead of working for rest, as the world says, we adopt a method of working from this place of rest, this place of peace we find in God, we can be sustainable in our work. We can bear meaningful fruit, as Christ says. We can be content because of the source we draw upon. It's actual fuel. It's not empty calories. We can enter back into the world with an energy capable of any type of work, those trials that James talks about, the book of James and James talks about, can be taken on because of the place we come from, the source we come from. We're not operating in a deficit. If we get it backwards, we're always running on empty, though. We're always running on empty, working for the weekend, and we're barely scraping by in our jobs or school or whatever you know whatever field you're in the world finds its it's you know functional savior in the weekend and we find ours in god through christ jesus said again uh come to me all who are weary and i'll give you this rest we're called to an active rest one where we're engaging rather than disengaging Again, the world wants you to disengage, wants you to disassociate, wants you to divert so that you don't um, deal with things how you need to. And Eastern thought tells you to just empty your mind, you know? Meditate on these things. Um, Empty your mind to find peace. And Western thought tells you, again, to distract yourself. Our culture tells us that rest comes from checking out. It comes from within ourselves after that. Disengaging with well, the parties the alcohol the the Netflix binges the squirrels uh, and the like um, they're all a distraction they're not real rest <clears throat> all of us who have tried this you know this method know that it's not it's not fulfilling it's not sustainable we still go into um, Monday I'll punch you in the face cat meme mode you know God wants us to bring our work and our struggle and our stress and our anxiety to him, and he will give us rest. And as believers, we need to make a habit of finding it, finding our Sabbath rest in things like prayer, communication with God, conversation with God, engaging in God through his word, um, writing it on our hearts as a source of rest, engaging and committing to a body as a source of rest, that sounds weird for a lot of people, rather than uh, distract you, the Word of God engages you, when you engage it rather than distract you, the body engages you when you engage it, and you can find a rest and a peace in these things, contrary to opinions, uh, this shouldn 't be seen as as work as you know we shouldn 't roll our eyes at these things. we should consider it a source of rest if you wait to rest until it's convenient you're going to be waiting a long time if you if you take on this this secular method if you wait to rest till it's convenient you're going to be waiting a long time cuz that's not the world we live in there's no such thing as convenient you know there's always the next thing that we can jump to that we can be distracted in you know that we can divert from convenience is uh, a myth a Sabbath type of rest, we see in Scripture, is a command from God. It's the rhythm he sets up. It's an act of choice to lay down the work and be in remembrance of him, be fearing the Lord in this as well, in our rest. It shows us that we trust God to work when we are not working. You know, it, it takes it out of our own hands, thinking we have to do everything all the time, be always on, be always busy, in order to feel good and productive about ourselves. It stands as a countercultural protest against the striving and resting mentality. Or the striving and earning, sorry, striving and earning mentality, you know, going from thing to thing. The self-care prescription of rest can only be um, uh, sustainable, can only be sustainable if it's rooted in this rhythm that God sets up coming from rest rather than trying to go toward rest. You know, the inversion we see. Only with God at, at, the, at the laser focus, right, at the foundation of our rest are we able to bear meaningful fruit. Are we able to go into our daily lives and make it be meaningful and not dread it, you know, and not, not feel hopeless in our things that we're doing. So I have some questions for you guys. About rest. What do you look to for your rest? What prescription have you been taking? How can you better orient yourselves so that you're coming from a place of rest in God rather than living in that deficit, you know, scampering to try to get, you know, the me time? which we know is a myth. That place of constant exhaustion. How can you better orient yourself so that you're coming from a place of rest and contentment and celebration of who God is and what he has done and who he's created you to be, the character and image you're created in. How can you better orient yourselves that you're coming from this rest rather than to a meaningless rest? Is your rest a distraction from dealing with your life? And if so, how? Fourth question, how can you use fear of the Lord, to put it simply, how can you use reflection and recognition and celebration in who God is to be more useful in your daily lives, in your time and in your school and in your work and in your relationships? How can you use this reflection, recognition, and celebration in who God is to be more useful? And then lastly, how do you celebrate your rest in God? How do you choose to move forward from him in your daily practice? What sort of mentality are you taking into the world? Let's discuss.